1: It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average! I don't want to be around you! Why be around average? Be proud of our
2: young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially... In 310 days, in Ann Arbor,
1: Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hellers don't quite to go away
3: buckeye podcast by fans for the fans where they hate that team up north as much as you do it's time for the ohio podcast oh
2: I O, and welcome back to the ohio podcast everybody i am your host buckeye boggs that man over there is the wild man chris wilds and you are you and we're thankful that you are with us this evening to preview ohio state taking on sparty the Michigan State Spartans 3 and 6 Michigan State does that put any fear in your heart there Chris Wilds
1: 3 and 6 and uh, Eric I think that uh that record's a, actually they're, they're not as good as their record
2: Mm <laughs> that's probably true <clears throat> although they did have a big win against Nebraska so coming they're coming off a big win against Nebraska the first since the coaching change so little bit of momentum. We're going to talk to Spartan Dog here in a little bit from the Bacon Wire podcast. So we're going to get his perspective on the game. But first off, the OHL podcast is brought to you by Scarlet and Game from Fansided. Go, to, go over to scarletandgame.com. Type that in there in your little Google search. Read all about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Both basketball and football. The game season over Oakland. Because, quote unquote, he knew their plays. Yes, that really, it's what he really said. It just game. happened. <laughs> and it was rather funny. Everybody did laugh. They got a big uh, kick out of that. Um, also, we are the official Ohio State podcast for the Ohio State football team for Big Banter Sports. Head over to BigBanterSports.com. Check out ourselves and all of the other Big Ten media that you can consume in one day. There's so much going on over there, Chris, at Big Banter. You could literally spend days just listening and watching all the content that's dropped by all the Big Banter Sports podcasts and media members. And so a lot of good stuff going on over there at Big Banter. We definitely want you to go check that out. Hey, hey,
1: Eric. How, how vocal have our friends at Victor's Nation been this uh, last week?
2: They've been vocal. They've been awful vocal. Um, I avoid them like the plague because I know eventually we're going to have to confront them. That is going to be a wild week.
1: It's going to be it's a just, lot of fun, Eric. A lot of
2: just, fun. It's going to be a wild week. Hey, Chris. <clears throat> um, so I know a lot of you maybe knew that I made a bet with our old Michigan buddy, Sean Butler to take him to this year's Michigan game. That is not going to happen. Um, I want all of you to remember Sean in uh, your thoughts. Uh, he had a car accident, mm. and he's not going to be able to make it to the game. He lives in Florida. He is okay, um, but but I, I just want you all to remember him. He's gone through some things. Um, I know for for being a Team Up North fan, he and I actually get along really, really well. Um, except for that one game of the week, and after I found out he was okay and he wasn't going to be able to make it and everything, I still let him know that I hated his team. And he goes, "I love you, but I hate your team too." So <laughs> that's so anyway. So we do have a bet with Victor's Nation, Chris. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but if I was, I was with you. Yeah. Whoever <clears throat> loses that game, the background on their next episode is the other podcast logo. So I really, really need Ohio State and Ryan Day to win that game. I cannot have their logos behind me for the, the live show that game. That is going that Sunday. That's going to hurt. That would hurt bad. My pride would get stepped on that night.
1: Well, let me just let me put your, your mind at ease, Eric, because as I'm looking through my sunglasses here, uh, I, I can tell you I see a Buckeye victory Woo. With, with no – With no Connor on the sidelines, buddy, they just, they don't have it.
2: Well, we'll we'll see. We shall see. Well, we're going to get a little bit of preview because we take on that other team up north this week. In Sparty, Chris, let's dive into the history history and the statistics in this uh, game this weekend. Of course, if you're unable to go to the game, you can catch it live on NBC this Saturday night at seven thirty again, NBC seven thirty kick. Ohio State will be wearing their all gray jerseys. They've they've worn all grays before, but it was a different kind of gray. This is the kind of gray that the basketball team has too. Yeah, uh, and I love those jersey colors. I absolutely love them. So looking forward to that. Looking at Ohio State and Sparty by the numbers. Ohio State leads the all time series. 36 wins to 15 losses. Ohio State has won, however, the last seven in a row. Last loss to Sparty was in 2015. Gosh, I still have nightmares about that game. 17-14 to 14 in the rain in the horseshoe. Ugh, terrible loss that year. That was the only loss we had that year. Last meeting was in 2022, last year, of course. Ohio State won 29 or 49 to 20 up in East Lansing. Two years ago, inside the horseshoe, Ohio State won that one, 56 to seven, which, believe it or not, Chris was the largest margin of victory in this series for the Buckeyes. The largest margin of defeat for the Buckeyes that came back in 1965. It was a 32 to seven loss. Ohio State's longest win streak over Sparty is eight. From 1975 to 1984. Ohio State's going to be looking to tie that for uh, the second time to go eight straight against Sparty. Michigan State's longest win streak over the Buckeyes is three. That happened between the years of 1912 to 1953. A lot of people don't know Michigan State was not an original member of the Big Ten, Chris. They were actually a farming institute for a long time. And so... They weren't even a member of the Big Ten until I believe it was the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Ryan Day's record <sighs> against Sparty is 3-0. This will be Marion Barnett's first time as head coach and facing Ohio State. Looking at the last 10 games these two teams have played, there you'll see the seven in a row. But notice from 2013 to 2015, Michigan State beat us two out of three times. That first one in 2013 – that was in the Big Ten championship game. That over was Urban's first Big
1: Ten loss, was it not?
2: It was. You're right, and it was. And of course, he still had the streak that went on for a regular season Big Ten yeah. that went on for quite a while. But that was um, that was his first loss of Ohio State. Period. Yeah. Uh, 2014, of course, we went on to win the national championship. We won that one 49 to 37 the following year. We had the best roster in college football. And again, we lost that one 14 to 17. That was a nightmare night, man. I still, still have nightmares of, uh, about that game, Chris. I, I, am not going to lie about that. But since then, <clears throat> other than 2016, which was a one point game, Ohio state has been dominating this series for a while now it seems like at, in all honesty chris when this thing went over to, to the end of urban meyer's tenure and then went over to ryan day everything changed ryan day has had no trouble with michigan state mel tucker didn't matter he's dominated this series for the last three four years and even the one game he wasn't head coach Oh, Larry Johnson stepped in up yep. there in East Lansing, got his one victory as a head coach. Larry Johnson's one zero as Ohio State head coach. Don't 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 you forget about that perfect record. And, and I'll
1: never forget that because that was probably the best game outside of the uh, JTT and the Penn State uh, game there a few years ago. Probably the best defensive line game I may have ever seen. Just because, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where I, was it Haskell Garrett got the pick six. Haskell the
2: rascal, baby.
1: Yeah. That defensive line just came up so big for him in that game. That was just a great, great game. Buckeyes or Sparty. Who you want to start with? Let's start with Sparty today, Eric. Let's do it. All right. Well, the Michigan State Spartans' offense comes in with an anemic 319.1 yards per game of offense. That's good for 111th in college football. They're only completely are converting about 33.9 percent of their third downs. Uh, That's ranked 107 in the game. Red zone scoring, they are at 87.5% red zone scoring. That's good enough for 47th. Defensively, they're giving up 350.9 yards per game. That's 45th overall. Turnover margin, they are minus four in turnovers, which is 99th in the game. And then penalties per game, they're committing about 7.6, 122nd in college football. Excuse me, everyone, if you can't tell. Bit of a cold today, so trying to get through it. <clears throat> so, offensively, indiv- individual offense, uh, we've got the quarterback Noah Kim leading, leading the passing game. He's completed 91 of 160 passes for 1,090 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions. Caden Hauser, he's the the running game for him. He is, oh, I'm sorry. That's the other quarterback.
2: I actually have three quarterbacks there because they've been playing all three, Chris. I threw all three of them there for you.
1: Yeah, you did. Okay. We also have quarterback Caten Hauser, 64 of 109 passing for 674 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And Sam Levitt, 15 of 23, 139, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Leading the rushing charge is Nathan Carter. He's a got 156 carries, 659 yards, and four touchdowns. And then the receiving game is all about Montori Foster, Jr. 33 catches, 436 yards, and two touchdowns. Defensively, well, they come in with Cal Halliday, the linebacker. He's got 65 tackles to lead the team.
2: Can I just say this about Cal Halliday, Chris, while you get yourself a a cough and drink there Um, uh, because I I know how you feel right now. That's this was me last weekend. Uh, Cal Halliday is by far the best football player on this roster, hands down. And he's probably, if, if, if they have anybody else, I'll be shocked. He's the one guy on this roster who I think currently is an NFL talent.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think at the beginning of the year we predicted him to be one of the better linebackers in in the Big Ten, and I don't think mm-hmm. he's disappointed. Uh, you know, like you said, the one bright spot on a really bad team. Aaron Brule he leads the the team in sacks with four. Jaden Mangum, let me tell you, four interceptions. It's so nice to ha- to have these nice little little rosters of guys with an interception. <laughs> De- Just
2: wait, touchdown. Buckeyes are coming, baby. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> defensive touchdowns, well, no surprise here. Cal Holiday leads the team in defensive touchdowns with one. Kicking, we got Jonathan Kim. He is 11-15 on field goals with a long of 58. That's
2: a heck of a kick, 58 that's, yards. That's,
1: for the college game, 58 yards is pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. So let's flip script over to the Buckeyes now. So Ohio State comes in. They have 417.6 yards of offense uh, per game. Good enough for 45, uh, 45th in all of college football. Third down conversions, we're converting about 44.3% of our third down opportunities. Red zone scoring, we are at 88.3%. That's good for 69th in the country. But, he, but here's the big thing, Eric. Right here it is. Total defense, 271 yards per game. That's good enough for 5th in the country. Turnover margin, we are minus one, which is 72nd. And penalties per game, 6.3, which is 84th in the country. Now, individual statistics, of course, Kyle McCord, he is our quarterback. He leads the team in passing at 167 of 257 for 2,352 yards. 17 touchdowns versus four interceptions. You know, the stat line is not bad, Eric. It's yeah, we 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 tend to get on Kyle, but that's a pretty good stat line overall.
2: It 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 is. It's not look, always as a, yeah. until you look at what C.J. Stroud had it after nine games last year. Then you're like, oh yeah, that's why it feels. I, I think
1: C.J. had that at halftime last week. Just so it, it,
2: it yeah. <laughs> it it feels it feels so different because it, it has been so long since we've had a quarterback that has passed for under three thousand yards. That's why it feels this way.
1: Well, and you know, he really does have the opportunity to still get over 3,000 yards for the season. Mm, yeah, That's he, not he, its not a stretch at all. No, he should but, be able to get there. But it's just not, I think, the consistency, the accuracy isn't what we're used to. Correct. Travion Henderson, he comes in leading the team in rushing, even despite missing several games this season. 90 rushes, 585 yards, seven touchdowns. And Eric, this has been a reinvigorated rushing attack with Travion. Uh, really looked good the last couple weeks. weeks. Uh, you know, Trevion comes out there and he looks like he's running with fresh legs uh, and that everybody else is just at another speed right now. Marvin Harrison Jr. Of course, leading the team in receptions, 52 catches, 914 yards, 10 touchdowns. Just what, what can you say about Marvin Harrison? I mean, really just the best player in college football. Defensively, Tommy two thumbs leads the way with tackles 73 on the year sacks. We got JT two who's who been stuck on four sacks for a few games now, Eric, but, uh, you know, I think this, uh, that all can change this weekend. I agree. Interceptions guys, come on, help me out here. Somebody get a second interception for the love of God.
2: We just added a new one is all we did.
1: <laughs> we have Josh Proctor. Hey, but at least if we're going to – and we had to add it to both lists, by the way. Yes, we
2: did. You got it. That's right. It had to be
1: a pick six. Uh, Josh Proctor comes in with an interception, as does Denzel Burke, Steel Chambers, Lathan Ransom, and, of course, Jermaine Matthews, and the newly added Jordan Hancock, who both have their pick sixes on the list here. Defensive touchdowns, well, that's Josh Proctor, Tyleek Williams, Jermaine Matthews, Jr., and, again, Jordan Hancock. Kicking, we got Jaden Fielding coming in, 10 of 11. With a long of forty-one on the season, so Eric, that's where we are statistically with these teams.
2: Yeah, you know, Chris, this is uh, this is this is the kind of game this week that you should see that. This, that, this is stat a stat. Sheet. Yeah, this is yeah. a stat
1: stuff from week three right here. It sh-
2: it should be, you know, that's that's kind of what we're what we're hoping for. So, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, my buddy Spartan Dog from the Bacon Wire podcast is going to join us. Looking forward to uh, finding out where he sits right now with what's going on in East Lansing and with his view on what's happening in that whore known as Ann Arbor. Hang tight, everybody. We shall be right back. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And we are back and we are now joined by my friend Spartan Dog from the Bacon Wire podcast, a MSU sports podcast. My friend, how are you doing this evening?
4: Eric, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, brother. Uh Chris, this is the first time we're going to be on yeah. be on a pod together. So,
1: pleasure to meet you, sir. You as well, sir. So, yeah, I got let's get I into got it.
2: Yeah, let's do this. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the juicy stuff, shall we? <laughs> I want to know from you what your view is right now with everything that is going on in Ann Arbor with sign stealing. And I, I this has just been, Spartan Dog, in my mind, one of the craziest stories I have ever seen. And it just gets every day. We don't get breadcrumbs every day. We get giant loaves of bread every single day and it gets wild. And now today I'm reading where they Michigan is ready to go to court over this thing. And they're saying that Rutgers Purdue at Ohio state stole their signs, which is <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it's just, it's insane, please. Bring me a Michigan state perspective of this thing.
4: That I, this story has been, uh, the morphine drip in the hospital bed. That has been this football se- in this hospice <laughs> that has been this football season for Michigan state. I mean, this has been I, every, like you said, Eric, it's not breadcrumbs, right? It's not a slow trickle. It every single day is a fire hose. Yes. Of just insane information, like, did you guys read that uh, that Wall Street Journal article that was published today about Connor
2: Stallions? I have not. No, fill me in on this. I haven't got. I've been I've been so busy at work that what I'm getting is late at night when I'm falling asleep, and I'm trying to like digest this as much as I can. So, no, fill fill us in. Some of our listeners might not have heard this yet either. Yeah.
4: So, uh, a story came out in the Wall Street Journal today about Connor Stallions. <laughs> And uh, we got some more details about his inner life, let's let's call it. Um, as he was exiting the Navy in 2018, he bought like a $500,000 house in Ann Arbor, <laughs> which is like way too much house for someone just exiting military service. And then he got into a battle with the HOA, because he just had like vacuums all along his porch. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like he just had a ton of like, just like junk vacuums, like all over his, all over his front porch. And like, so wait a that- minute. This
1: guy was like fixing lawnmowers on his front porch before he got uh, vacuum cleaners hired Va- to steal, or vacuum cleaners before he was hired to steal signs by Michigan. Is that it's what you're even, It's even dumber
4: than that, Chris. He was was just flipping them on Amazon. Like, I don't know where (laughs) he got these vacuum cleaners from. I don't know if he, like, went to Goodwill or wherever, but he would pick up these, like, junk vacuum cleaners, keep them on his front porch, and, like, sell them on Amazon. Like, flip them on Amazon. He had, like, a 2.2-star seller rating. (laughs) because he would not do any refurbishment to the vacuums at all. Like he wouldn't even clean like the dust bin, you know, like where all the where all the crap goes after you vacuum it up. He wouldn't even like empty that.
1: I he would just you like throw it vacuum. in a
2: box and ship it. <laughs> so do you think this is how he was paying for these tickets? I honestly do because not it, know. Because
1: because if that's how he's doing it, that sucks. We're in the wrong business. Well, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> And and I don't know, I know we're in the wrong house. business if you could pay for a half million dollar house with used vacuums. Yeah,
4: I I honestly don't know. I'm assuming he was probably um, held liable for refunds, considering he was I considering he was like an established seller on Amazon. So I don't actually know how much money he made, but he got into a battle with his HOA because they're like, you can't just have all these vacuums on your front porch, dude. Like it looks bad. And he like accused his neighbor of like trying to sabotage him because his neighbor sent his kid to Michigan state. So well, that's,
1: the, that's the Michigan MO right there. When you get yeah. you know, caught, you blame someone else.
4: Right. Exactly. right. Just <laughs> quickly breaking a rule and blaming someone else as you get caught. Everyone should have seen it coming. It, And then he like, he like filed for an LLC, and he named like Blake Corum as like a as like a partner in this LLC. And someone asked Blake Corum about it today, and he's like, "Yeah, I never agreed to do any of that. Like, I'm I'm having my attorney look into it."
1: <laughs> like, just- so so let me get this straight now. Now not only is there an NCAA probe, but Blake Corum is going to sue Connor Stallions as well.
4: Apparently, I mean <laughs> the, the, I, again it's it's a fire hose of just insane stuff that just comes out every day. It like tomorrow? I can't wait to what comes out tomorrow. It's you, like you,
1: you, you it's days of, it <laughs> of our lives. It's days of our lives. There it is, yes, it really <laughs> you, is. You cannot be, now first of all, first of all, I I gotta interject here because let me tell you. There was a time where I was all into Days of Our Lives, so can we not bash Days of Our Lives? No, I'm not. I'm saying like, <laughs> this is no. I was this I was mom, laid content up, laid up. You know the 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 leg I couldn't move it, so uh, you know I had I got stuck watching it with the Sure, Chris. Died. Whatever, buddy. <laughs> but but no, I mean you can't. You cannot make this stuff up. It is it's a train wreck. I mean, you want to look away, but you just can't. You can't. Oh, and and you know I. I think I said this to Eric when we
4: did our preseason preview together. It's like usually when stuff when stuff comes out about Michigan, like Michigan fans have like this unique ability to to just make it so annoying to talk about. You just don't want to do it anymore. It's so much fun not to. (laughs) It's here. It's like it's overpowering. It's overpowering them being annoying because like they have like their they have like their slappy beat writers behind paywalls promising that the next bombshells about to drop and like it never comes like the i i have no other i have no other analogy for this and sorry to make this just like slightly political real quick there's no other analogy for this than the 2020 election like i cannot <laughs> wait i cannot wait for the four seasons right. total landscaping moment like i keep like I can't wait. Like I'm eagerly awaiting the moment where Santa Ono or Ward or Jam are just like in front of some garage somewhere giving a statement about how like this is all made up and this is a giant conspiracy to get Michigan. It, this is, it's too good. It's too good.
2: It really is. It really is. Where do you think this is going Spartan dog? Like I, I, I feel like what's going to, what's about to happen is the big Ten's going to slap a two game on, on Jim, because that's kind of sounds like that's kind of what the, the limitations is at this moment. And after that, it's going to be NCAA eventually drops a bomb on them is what it feels like. What do you think? Well,
4: I, I, I think the two games comes from like after he had held the meeting with after, um, Tony Petiti had met with the coaches and the ADs. He met with Santa Ono. And he was like, he offered, he's like, hey, listen, you suspend Jim for two games. We're good. And that game was going to be Purdue. Yeah. Right. So you suspend him for Purdue and Penn State and we're even like, that's all, that's all we're going to ask for and Santa basically told him to get bent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know like how much power he actually has. I think the two games, I think the two game scenario is what um is kind of stems from that initial conversation Petiti had with Santa Ono, but I think his powers as commissioner go like a lot fo- go a lot farther than that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Jim doesn't coach another game the rest of the season. I mean that that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't know if they're gonna go as far as to ban Michigan from the big from the conference championship game, although I think they probably should. But I I don't know if Jim's gonna coach another game this season. I I would be very surprised if he I would be very surprised if he walk if anyone walks away from this scot free, at least until the NCAA gets done with whatever they're doing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we could go on for on all night on this. Well, I mean, I, can I touch I, on
1: one thing here real quick, Eric?
2: Yeah, go for it. Sorry.
1: No, just you talked about the two games being the extent. The two games is the extent under the sportsmanship policy of what right. Petini can do. However, if the other university presidents agree that this is a major infraction, they can step in and extend the penalty. The university presidents basically a committee of university presidents has to come uh come forward and they have to actually be the ones to extend more than the two games that Petiti can do
2: and can i just be honest if that's the case like if it's really unfortunate that they are spending that university presidents who are in charge of the education of 13 major universities in our country have to spend time coming up with a scenario for a, a man that has done this. Like, let's just be honest.
1: Just that's, just put, put us all out of our misery, Eric. Just bench the guy for the year. That's what I'm saying. And deal with the fallout. It's, I it's mean, that simple.
2: You know, this is the same guy who a year ago wanted no no uh, due process for the Michigan State players. It was get. I mean, it was prosecute them now. You know, and then you know, the tides have turned, you know, the shoes on the other foot, and it's like, oh, wait a second, you know, we need a due process here. It's like, come on, man. Like, this is- yeah.
4: It, what makes that even crazier was that he was saying that while knowingly playing a defensive lineman who was, who had a pending felony weapons charge hanging over his head. Bingo. So it, you know, it, it's just kind of like, where's the rub here, you know? if it comes down to the presidents like chris has said i i was under the assumption that Petiti had more power as commissioner to suspend him further than two games if it goes to the presidents i don't think that they're going to that they're going to extend it past whatever Petiti's power reaches um it it would be interesting to see what they do but you know like you said eric i mean these are these are 13 people who are in charge of some of our nation's finest, finest research and academic institutions. I'm, I'm not sure how much time they want to spend. And, and yeah. I'm, punishing mean, a, I'm punishing a weird guy. I
1: yeah, I these- disagree. I think they do extend it. I really do. I think they're tired of these games. I think they're tired of the arrogance being shown by Ono and the university as well as Harbaugh. I would not be surprised at all if they don't extend it. Uh, you know, and Just to clarify, under the sportsmanship policy, which is what they are planning to do use right now, it's a two-game maximum that he can inflict. He could actually, under other policies, be able to do that, but he would actually have to have the NCAA findings in front of him to do it.
2: Mm -hmm. Which Um, which is just take time.
1: Which is just going to take time. They can also actually post uh, investigation. Still, you know, still. attach more penalty to it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I think that the university presidents and Tony Petini all know what we know. If they don't do something now, the guys who are actually the ones guilty of this are going to skate while the University of Michigan deals with the consequences and the penalties afterwards. Because if they don't step in and do something now, we all know Harbaugh's going to the league next year. I think we can all agree on that.
4: Yeah, I, I, He's I think this is probably this. the last dance. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I, I think that they are going to make a statement here, that this just isn't going to be tolerated.
2: Spartan dog, let's talk about your team, man. Um, let's talk about your season first off. I want your perspective. <laughs> do we uh, have what, to? I mean, I mean <laughs> well, I, I do want your perspective on what what sure. happened in in East Lansing and how you and you think the fan base feels about where you're at right now. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, no I I mean look. You know, you asked me at the beginning of the season, is Mel Tucker on the hot seat? And I flatly said no. Um, you know, I to be honest, if if Tucker if this if this never happened, this 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 story had never broken, they had found they had found a way to kind of smother it in the crib and you know, it, the story was never published. They were ever to catch and kill it, whatever, whatever, whatever athletic departments do to, to obfuscate negative publicity. Um, I don't really see the season going much differently now, like in hindsight. Um, it, it's pretty clear based on, on Mel Tucker's actions post the publishing of the USA Today story um, that he had no intentions of coaching major college football again after this. Uh, Just everything that's kind of come out, the the style guide, the legal strategies he's he's using to kind of uh, lead whatever buyout he can out of the university. Uh, It's pretty clear that Tucker was just going to let the program rot, uh, force the university's hand, pay him the buyout, and either spin that into some kind of media job or do do whatever uh, going forward. Yeah. I mean, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Um, you know, I, I had this team going seven and five and if you kind of look at how some of the games have gone, uh, we wouldn't be that far off from, from that, honestly. Um, if things kind of broke the other way. So yeah, I just, you know, I, I think we're, I think the fan base is at the point now to answer the second part of your question. I think we're just kind of, we're kind of over it, right? Like, we stopped talking about football on bacon wire. Um, you know, we're, we're just kind of, we're kind of done. Um, we're ready for the next coach. Uh, we're ready for a cultural reset. Um, and we're just ready to dump some of these catchphrases that now that, now that we're out of it. Right. And we don't have to deal with it, you know, for a, a X number of years going forward, we can admit some of the catchphrases were pretty stupid. So we're kind of ready. We're ready for that. We're ready for that reset. We're ready for that. sea change.
2: Follow up question would be then who are who's who are some of the coaches that you think that your program will be looking at and who would you like to see?
4: So uh, David Harnes of Spartans Illustrated uh, did a list of four candidates. He knows they've done background. They've done background on and have sent requests for interviews. Into, uh, I believe those candidates were Lance Leipold, the head coach at Kansas; uh, Mike Elko, head coach at Duke; um, Jonathan Smith, the head coach at Oregon State; and uh, Jake Dickert, the head coach at Washington State. Um, You know those four guys are the ones that we know they have they have looked at and are planning on interviewing. And if you notice, the common theme amongst all those candidates. They're, they're current head coaches, right? So that's the direction they're probably going to go in. Whether they go with one of those four, or there's another candidate out there. Um, Jed Fish has kind of kind of popped up on the radar. The head coach at Arizona, uh, based on some based on his performance, um, you know i I think the time for a hot shot coordinator, you know, like a Sean Lewis type. Um, I know he was kind of he was kind of in the race a little earlier. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's still a lot of unknowns at Michigan State, right? I don't know if a lot of people outside of Michigan State know this. We have an interim president right now. We don't have a permanent president. <coughs> so we have to appoint a president. Um, that president is going to make decisions on on her executive on their executive cabinet. Um, you know, Alan Haller being part of that executive cabinet as a vice president and director of athletics. Um, his future is up in the air right now, um, so I, I think they kind of, and just based on some of the chaos that's happening is going to happen once the season ends and the portal opens. I do think they want want a steady hand, someone who who's done this, who has been a head coach, who knows how to organize, who knows how to organize a uh, a system and and kind of get a culture in place. Um, so those are the four guys they. We know they've been looking at.
1: So let me ask real quick because I know what our our thoughts are on this, but I got to ask the Urban Meyer room. <laughs> um, look,
4: here here is here is my thing. Okay, I, I think the moral argument against Urban Meyer, and I I've been steadfast on this. The moral argument against Urban Meyer is is a losing one. Uh, you know. It, College football is is a deeply immoral sport uh, filled with snake oil salesmen and abusers and just psychopaths, right? Even the best people are just unhinged psychopaths to want to dedicate their lives to wrangling 100 teenagers for, for 12 months a year. I mean, so the moral argument's a losing one. The, the case for Urban is he's a winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's a winner. Uh, He'll be an immediate recruiting broom. He's well-connected. He can bring in top guys. Um, The case against him is, you know, he hasn't coached in in five years, college football. He hasn't recruited. He hasn't been a primary recruiter on a guy in in almost eight years, and you're almost certainly going to have to do that, at least for the first couple. Um, he hates losing and he's going to have to do a little bit of that starting out. And, and, you know, he's in, he's in poor health. I mean, his heart sucks and Shelly does not want him to coach again. Shelly is very adamant. Shelly didn't want him to take the Ohio state job, but you know, he had a little leeway there because, you know, it's, it's Ohio state. It's the alma mater, right? It's, It's Ohio State. He's from Ohio. He can't not coach Ohio State. And, you know, the Jacksonville thing was like, it's the pinnacle of the profession. You need to let him coach Jacksonville. Saying like, okay, now I'm going to go coach Michigan State. That's a harder sell. And I think that's, I think we're kind of seeing that.
1: Well, I don't think you, I don't think you do too well at recruiting kickers, but other than that, you know.
4: Yeah, well, you you know we have Jonathan Kim. He hit a 58 yarder. Yes, uh, he did against Iowa. He's he's got a year left, so all we got to do is kind of all we got to do is enact social distancing for Urban and Jonathan Kim, and, <laughs> and will be and we'll be okay. I think if
2: if 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 those chips do fall. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, we there is a game this Saturday between our two programs. Believe it or not. Um, who's your quarterback? So, yes. So here's the thing. (laughs) All Uh, of them. (laughs) If Sam,
4: if Sam, if Sam Levitt, the, the true freshman, if he plays another snappy burns his red shirt. So uh, I imagine that there's conversations that are ongoing between, uh, Harlan Barnett and and Sam and probably Sam's parents about, about his future plans. Right. Um, if I were, if I were in Sam Levitt's position, right. I'm a kid who came across the country. The guy who recruited me isn't going to be here in, in a month. Um, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would bring the red shirt. Then again, I, I didn't grow up a Michigan state fan. I knew very little, I've never stepped foot in East Lansing before I took my campus tour. And you know, it, oh, East Lansing is a very a very easy place to fall in love with. Um, Michigan State's an an awesome campus, so maybe he's just maybe on the other side. He's just like whoever the next coach is. I'm going to stick around. I want to compete. I want to compete for the starting job. You know, I want to stay in East Lansing. I love it here. I'm not sure what the conversations are like. Um, if I, had to, you know, if I had to guess, they're probably going to roll with Katenhauser. To, to start out at least you know once things kind of once things go downhill and i'm assuming that'll be like pretty fast um it'll be interesting to see who the next quarterback out is i think i think if we see noah kim again i think that'll be i think that'll kind of be a sign of where of where sam levitt's head is at in terms of in terms of staying at machine state pass this year For if you're, sure if, you're yeah,
1: if you're before. sam Le- if you're sam levitt do you almost feel like given what we've seen from this team this year, it might be in your best interest to go into survival mode and just ask them to close you down?
4: Yeah, no, I I mean, like, you know, if if I'm Sam Levitt, I I say I'm done.
1: Yeah, I would say I mean, keep I your options open.
4: Right. I, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're entering the portal. That doesn't mean you're leaving Michigan State it just means that hey like i want to keep that extra year right based on you know it's a small sample size from sam Lovett, right and, and but based on what i've seen i don't know if he's going to need an entire four years. i don't know if he's going to need that extra year in order to right. in order to get to that next level so maybe maybe the guy's just a maybe that guy's just a hardcore competitor and is just like screw it i want to play right why would i why would i join this team if i'm not going to play so I, I'm i not, I'm not sure if, if I, if I'm in Sam Levitt's position, I shut it down and that's, that's an easy decision for me, but I'm not Sam Levitt. So I, I'm not sure what he's going to do. I, I'm assuming Caton's probably going to start, but I, you know, whether or not Levitt comes in, whether they do like this, two this two and one thing that they did against Nebraska last week, or if it's like cleanup duties after, After Ohio State pulls away, I'm not really sure what's going to happen on Saturday, to be honest. I'm assuming Keaton's going to start after that. It's kind of, it's unknown.
1: So Nathan Carter, tell us a little bit about Nathan Carter because he is, you know, he is the offense right now.
4: (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely. Nathan Carter is awesome. I mean, he is a guy, he sees the field very, very well. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um of a Madre London type, you know, a guy who who is really really good in between the tackles, can hit holes. Um, you know, his legs never stop churning. Um, he runs angry. Uh, he he is a very he's a very physical guy. He's a very effective runner between the tackles. Um, you know, I that Nathan Carter has been. One of the bright spots that this season for Michigan State. Well,
1: I mean, really, the only guy in your running back room who has over a hundred yards on the season, I believe, Indy. Uh,
4: I I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but that sounds right. I'm I'm assuming that's probably right.
2: Spartan dog, I would like to give you the opportunity to respond to the whining from the Sully podcast about all of the officiating from this Saturday.
4: <laughs> I'm. I mean, look, right, like. I'll be the first one to admit, they missed a face mask, okay? That was a a pretty obvious face mask. The refs missed it. I don't know what they were looking at. On the other end, at the end of the first half, Michigan State was called for four straight defensive penalties, four straight defensive holdings. And look, if they committed the penalties, they committed the penalties. But, like, part of the reason why, why you have human referees is they're able to they're able to kind of imbue the game with a little bit of a little bit of subjectivity, right? If they know that this is going to be like the third straight call, the third straight defensive holding, they're a little more hesitant to keep the flag in the pocket. So, you know, as much it was a bad face mask that they missed, right? I don't agree with the I don't agree about the PI call being bad. I think the PI call I think the PI call is a little closer than I think than I think they think it is. Um, <laughs> the face mask was awful. They the refs whiffed on that one, but you know Michigan State was called for like four straight defensive penalties. That's like unheard of. So you know it, it's not like it was all Michigan State all the time on Saturday. It was very much both teams very much got kneecapped.
2: This past weekend was like. I don't know what was going on, but like, I just felt like for some reason, several of the losing teams that the cast who had losing teams decided it was whining time about the refs. We had it in our two where Alec uh, and I like Alec. I, I think he's a great, great kid. And I I think he's got a bright future in this industry, but buddy, like that one To to try to say that that was a targeting call on Proctor to me is laughable. Proctor like literally slowed down, moved his head, and tried to get out of the way. It it still was a bang-bang play, but it's not like he lowered his head and was like, I'm going to kill you. Proctor has the reputation of absolutely laying the wood to people and if he wanted to end that guy's career he just about could have in that situation but like at the last second you could see proctor go oh, this is a bad idea i'm getting out of the way and he got hurt because proctor got hurt and yet they wanted to call targeting on that and alec backed it up he he, he threw it in reverse and said you know i i guess maybe i don't know what targeting is you know let's
1: maybe does. It wasn't deliberate targeting. and intentional is but the key I just
2: there. I ju- I and was kidding, I was just <clears throat> getting a crack out of the Sullies, man. They were going nuts, and I'm like, man, give Spartan dog the day, boys. Like I know. He, he's had three wins all year, guys. It, come on.
1: The officiating did it sucked last weekend. There, oh, there's it no good Sucks every
2: start. week. It's but terrible it was really bad week. last
1: week. I mean, come on. We we as Ohio State fans can can, can actually come out and say, our left tackle. False starts on every play.
2: It, he literally does. He literally like, false if you starts false on every play. If you watch the game this week, his, his
1: his back leg will move on. He, he takes that first step back early on every play.
2: So he's Ju- he's Jawan tailoring it
4: is
1: what. Oh, saying. all the time. I yeah. mean, he's just, he's
2: and it's so bad that the refs are like, we can't call, like, said, like we can't call false start every single play, guys. Uh, Simmons is most. A penalized player was the most penalized player in college football last year, I and we decided, why. And we decide to pull him out of the for portal, we'll throw him at left tackle. What do you think is going to happen? Right, he's <laughs> the most he's the most penalized guy in our team, but he has lowered his penalties in half. Did you know that, Chris? Yeah, I did. He's had, he had twice more penalties last year at this point of the year. And it's like, wow. They were
1: calling all those false starts out there. Anyways, uh,
2: I just thought that was funny. Spartan dog. What's, what's the score going to be this weekend? Like, do you guys have any shot at all in your mind? No,
4: um, (laughs) no, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting them to win another game this season. So, Hey, you know, last weekend it was, you know, house money. Um, score, Jesus. Um, I don't think it's going to be 49, nothing. Okay. Um, I have a couple things to discuss with you guys just from my perspective. Sure. A- after the score wise, I'll probably go like 42, seven. Okay. I think maybe like a garbage time touchdown or, <laughs> or maybe, you know, You got, maybe there's like a little bit of a punch in the mouth thing, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be particularly close.
1: I'm excited. We're scoring 40 points this week,
4: Eric.
2: (laughs) Hey, Spartan dog. I don't have a scoring that many. I don't either.
4: So, so here's what I wanted. Here's what I wanted to to ask. Right. Like, so from, from the outside. Right. And I think that's one of, this is the coolest thing about, about this podcast network is, is we get all the perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. From the outside looking in, right, as someone who does not follow Ohio State like a, on a week to week basis, th- there appears to be, um, there appears to be
1: a, a scenario
4: where, um, you guys are just waiting for the other shoe to drop with Kyle McCord. I feel like you guys, like you guys, are eight 0 Um, no game, you know, the, the only game that has really been in doubt is the Notre Dame game and Notre Dame's a damn good team. Right. So there's really no shame in, in, in that, but I just, you know, from the outside looking in, I feel like there's a lot of like, okay, when, when is the wheels going to, when are the wheels going to fall off? Is that, is that accurate?
1: I wouldn't disagree with it. I think a lot of, there's a lot of. I don't know if I'd say we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I just think there's still a lot of questions. Um, now, we, we've well documented it on our podcast here that Kyle McCord is not a mechanically sound quarterback. He does have a tendency to throw a lot off his back foot. He does have a tendency to carry the ball too low. He does have a tendency to make poor choices. He doesn't look well or doesn't look off his receivers well. Uh, mechanically, he is not the ideal quarterback. But I think we are just – and I'm starting – because a few weeks ago, I actually said this in a private conversation we were having while watching one of the games. I have come to the, accept the fact that Kyle McCord is, when he's at his best, a good quarterback. He's not going to be a great quarterback. I don't see him as great. <laughs> However, you look back, and Cardell Jones had a great run, but he was not a great quarterback overall. Craig, I, he did, was not. I, a great, he had a great run, Eric, but he was not a great quarterback. You know what? He had a receiver he could not throw. Uh, you you go back to two thousand and two. Craig Krenzel was not a great quarterback. He was incredibly intelligent. He had he more guts gutsy. than more guts than ability, but you know what? They both had good defenses. They both got the job done. So what they did enough to win, and I think that's what we're seeing with Kyle McCord.
2: Right what now. what you're seeing from the outside, Spartan Dog, is a a quarterback who um, Ryan Day is trying to teach him how to be a game manager. Okay. And that is not something we are used to under a Ryan Day offense. This is very reminiscent of Jim Trestle ball D- defense. We're going to win with defense and offense. Just put the defense in good and uh, and good position to win the game. And we aren't used to that as fans since Urban Meyer took over and since Ryan Day was became you know the play caller. And Ryan Day is is developing a quarterback who, in all honesty. Is several steps behind the last several quarterbacks we had, and so it's it's a, a frustration for the fan base.
1: We're spoiled, but, Eric. Oh it's yeah, yeah, sleep, we're spoiled.
2: The older fans will tell you, this was norm for us. This is a this is a normal Ohio State quarterback. The and 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 the last few weeks you've seen Ohio State play more like Ohio State used to we're gonna run the football, we're gonna dictate the the time of possession, we're gonna control the line of scrimmage, and we're gonna manage the game, and we happen to have a hell of a wide receiver who you can't guard. So that's kind of the, the playbook, but to answer your question, there is a lot of fear that yes, we are gonna get into a game where we have to rely on him to win us the game again, and I don't think Notre Dame 2.0 would happen again.
4: So it, I guess it is this reversion to trestle ball, right? This kind of oh, yeah. pound the rock. We're going to, we're going to ram it down your throat. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get like six first downs the entire game. Your, your punter, your punter's legs going to fall off. Um, mm-hmm. Is that, do you guys think a response to, to how Michigan is kind of, no um, it, to the rise of Michigan or do you think it's just like no, how the cards it, have fallen and yes and how and like how the quarterback room shaped out
2: yeah so we, the yeah you nailed it it's how the quarterback room shaped out so yeah so there was a very real possibility that CJ Stroud was going to come back he had a he had an NIL deal on the table for four million dollars to stay and he said I, I that's a lot and I really want to but I can't, and you I don't know if you saw, but his off week a couple weeks ago against Maryland. Maryland. He was in the shoe. And you know how players are when they come back, hey, I'm back, sign a few autographs, yeah. wave, and then and then they leave before halftime. Yeah. They're like out. He stayed on the sideline and was coaching up McCord during the game.
4: I did and I did see that, yeah.
2: He loves Ohio State. Like he's he's on record when he's done with his NFL career, he's coming back to Columbus. It's his home. Yeah. And he wants to be a coach at Ohio State. Like that's how much he loves Ohio State. But <clears throat> what I'm getting at is just there's this there's this belief that Ohio State is is the offense under Ryan Day is just this well-oiled machine, and I, we tried to warn everybody we on our podcast. This is going to look and feel more like 2002 than it is 2014. It's just that's the reality reality of this roster, and it wasn't out of the fact that um, Ryan Day. I, I really believe the way he had it set up that CJ was going to be back again, but CJ ended up being the quarterback one year early and then Quinn Ewers left and that set everything awry because Quinn Ewers came out early and that kind of, you know, screwed the pitch for how we had it It did. It affected our quarterback recruiting. And so now we're scrambling to try to find, you know, what, how we're going to replace this. So on our show, we believe that, more than likely we're going to lose one, if not two of the quarterbacks in our room next year, because Kyle McCord's not going pro and he's going to come back. And I can't imagine that Devin Brown, who didn't beat him out this year, or Lincoln Keenholes, who hasn't taken one snap as a true freshman, are going to supplant him as starter next year. And coming in next year is, in my opinion, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen um, out, coming out of high school since uh, um, Justin Fields and Aaron Nolan. like incre- Looks like Justin Fields, except he's left-handed. Plays just like him. Throws the ball better than Fields did in high school. Is electric with the ball in his hands when he's running the football. Like This kid is awesome. He's probably going to push McCord next year. But what I think the plan is, is McCord will be the starter next year and then go pro. Hopefully he improves enough. And then Aaron Nolan is the backup next year. And then he's the starter after that. That's the plan, which means there's probably going to be two quarterbacks hit the transfer portal and Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenhold. So I hope that answers your question.
4: It does. Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: You got anything else, brother?
4: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that um, one of the knocks against against Ohio State a little bit is, has been the defense. And I think the defense is, is much, much improved this year. I mean, you know, you JT Tuliamilao has been just an, a game wrecker. I mean, he's yeah. been insane. And I butchered that last name. I know yeah, I, saw you did. <laughs> Chris. I saw Chris start to giggle. And I was Tui like... Tui Okay. Yeah. And so i mean he's just been an absolute like game wrecker. just he's always in the backfield he's got a nose for the ball um the secondary is much more physical yeah um you know it, jim Knowles it, is he here long term or do you think he's gonna get a you think he's gonna get a couple interviews in, okay. the, in this you, next carousel
2: you brought up a scenario i'm to run this by you if you guys were to happen to snag duke's head coach yeah I think he goes to Duke. That's where he's originally from.
1: Okay, I could see that.
2: Before he was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. He was the defensive coordinator at Duke for like four or five years when they were really good there in the ACC, and then he left. They took a dip, and now they're back again. Like I think Duke would go after him. He's an East Coast guy. Uh, Cornell. He was a head coach at Cornell. He graduated from Cornell. He's a Philly dude. So, you know, Duke, North Carolina. <laughs> but Duke's kind of like that Ivy education type of high right. level.
4: Yeah, they're 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 like this step below the Ivies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there's a possibility he would leave for that job. I think he would he couldn't pass that up but does he leave def- the defense as a defensive coordinator from Ohio state to go to like temple? No, he wouldn't do that. Ohio state made him a $2 million defensive coordinator. So are you going to leave a 2 million defensive coordinator job for a, what a two and a a half, $3 million head coaching job at a school where it's not like that level. I don't think he would. Um, but I could see him doing the Duke thing. That scares me a little bit.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Duke would actually be a very desirable job at this point. If you look at the, the overall condition of the ACC, uh, you know, Clemson's down. I mean, I think we, we've talked about it before. We broke don't, Clemson.
2: Don't, don't, tell, don't tell Kennedy that after last week.
1: We, <laughs> oh, we, we broke Clemson, and they haven't been right since. Hey, buy Uh, stock
2: in them. Dabo says now's the time to buy stock. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Dabo also ranked us number eleventh before we whooped his butt. He said that. uh, He said that at. uh,
4: You know, I'm pretty sure the same thing was said by Enron execs in like 2002. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Yeah, you know, but the Clemson's down. Miami gets a bunch of press every year, but really they're not a great team. I mean, right now is the time to go in as a football coach at a program like Duke, which has had moderate success. Yeah. and if you can bring just a little bit something special to that, I mean, that's a desirable job right now. You have with your adults.
2: You go five hundred every year and go to a bowl game at Duke. They love you.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the nice things about about Duke. You laid it out, Chris. Right? The ACC. I mean, you know that they've done away with divisions.
1: It's not like Cal and Stanford are really going to bolster the football credibility of the ACC, right?
4: You have, you know. The teams coming in aren't the caliber that Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA are. Right. Right. So you have you have that. Um, yeah, no, dude. The thing that's impressed me the most about Elko and, and why ultimately Elko is my number one candidate is he's just done. He's done more with less at a Power Five program that no one has done probably since Mark D'Antonio in those kind of early Michigan State years. I mean, he he is winning games with a backup freshman quarterback
2: mm-hmm.
4: at, at Duke. You know, the backup at Duke is not going to start at another Power 5 school. Like, that's just, that's the way it is. You're at Duke. You're at Duke because you're going to go be a, you're going to go be a consultant after school. You're not going to, you know, you don't go to Duke to be in the NFL. So I I think that the way he's been able to, to kind of turn the program around quick, you know, they went from, I think they went from like four and eight to nine and three in his first year. And now they're on track to win eight, nine games again. and get to another bowl game. I mean, it has been, it has been very, very, very impressive what he's been
2: able to do. Yeah. And he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of this without his best player, the quarterback. Yeah. You know, who's been injured. Um, So it's been incredibly impressive what he's done there.
4: Absolutely. So, that's you know Mike Elko's. You gotta you gotta go get Mike Elko. The only problem is right is because Duke's a private school, like no one knows what his salary is because they don't have to.
2: He's not have to publish that. He's no he was nowhere near where Mel Tucker was. I'll tell you that, but yeah, oh yeah,
4: absolutely. They they think he's probably somewhere around five. Mm-hmm. Is what the guesstimation is somewhere around five. So I mean the money's there. Um, you know the the big fish, the big money guys. They're they're kind of blackpilled on urban. It'll be interesting to see um, to see what happens. Allegedly, allegedly, right? This has kind of been um, if you had to give a credit rating to, to sources, these are um, these are the you know the, the the credit score on these sources reliability ways, is probably in like the low six hundreds. Um, <laughs> they uh, they said that last week. Uh, the deal was on like the 2 yard line everyone went to bed thinking that it was done and they woke up the next morning urban left for big noon and ghosted them that was that's what has been said
2: urban I, lo- urban loves to be courted
4: yes and he love i know you know <laughs> he loves escorts there there's a joke in the, you know there's a joke and there's some you have to be constantly checking his oil. You
1: to... <laughs> <laughs> so I, he loves to have more than his ego. If massage. you yeah. were
2: to land Urban Meyer, I would be floored. Because I would be too. I would I, be too. I think the only other Midwest program he would contemplate is Notre Dame. Um, he's a Catholic who was raised in Northeast Ohio, and yes, he was in Ohio kid ohio boy and they watched woody hayes and and ohio state growing up but he was a fan of notre dame he coached for lou holtz um at notre dame i think it was lou holtz wasn't it chris yes he was a g i think he was a ga uh at notre dame under lou holtz he has an affinity for for notre dame i could but see i just don't see notre dame under their current structure where the head coach doesn't get to make all the decisions i just don't see oh he,
1: he he's got to be in control
2: yeah if marcus, he doesn't
1: have 100% control, marcus he doesn't... freeman
2: is running into that right now and he's really having a difficult time with that um where you know it, it makes it hard to compete when it comes to recruiting um so when you have all those but, but can you
1: really trust somebody with those decisions who can't count to 11. it! <laughs> stop it
4: well uh you know there's a there's a lot of talk right the other the other job he wants desperately is USC, right that's the job that that's the job that a lot of people have kind of earmarked him for
2: i, he I went for it he mm-hmm. went for
4: it before they hired lincoln um there's talk of of lincoln maybe running from the grind again and going to the nfl mm-hmm. um i i don't know if you're if you're jumping ship and going to the NFL, I don't know if you fire your defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens, to see what kind of happens there.
2: I'm wondering if Lincoln and Williams aren't a, aren't a package deal.
4: I, yeah, it would not I, surprise me at all. No, I I don't think it would either. I, you know, I don't know if the team that's going to end up with the number one pick is going to necessarily need a quarterback, right? I think there's. Right. I think the Bears have kind of played themselves out of the number one pick. They might backdoor into it from Carolina, uh but you know, if you're Arizona, you know Kyler's been Kyler's been hurt this whole year. You know, there's no way to evaluate Kyler. He's being moved. He's I being moved. I I probably think they I probably think Arizona's going to pull the trigger on Caleb, but again, you can't package deal him because you you just, you hired you hired Jonathan Gannon, right and. You know he's had he's had a messed up year with a lot of stuff going on. I don't know if you can necessarily pull the plug on him after a year. I think well, I think that might end up a little bit like the, you, you the coach could. You had,
2: you there could be a had little, before Gannon. There could be a little bit of an Eli Manning situation here where Williams is like, I don't want to go to that team. I refuse to yeah. sign with that team. So you better not draft me. Type. He, of, he'd
1: even talked about going back to school if Arizona tried to draft him.
2: Well, so. there's a there's a there's a whole there's another joke there about school and crying in, in mommy's bosoms when you lose a game <laughs> to to Washington. But uh, hey, man, hey, this was a lot of fun. Why don't you plug Bacon Wire for uh, for everybody?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, f- you know we're we're on all the socials at Bacon Wire. Give us a follow. We post episodes every Thursday. Uh, talk MSU and whatever else we want to talk about. Uh, you can follow me at Spartan dog 97. Uh, I, I do, I'm on Twitter all the time. So
1: (laughs) before we go, do we want to talk about some James Madison university basketball? Can we not? I just
4: got, I I had walked in, you know, I, I had gotten over it. Right. I was, I couldn't sleep last night. I was so upset and. Like, I had, like, I just, like, let it stew all day at work. I was just kind of, like, I didn't get any work done today because I was just sitting at my desk stewing in anger. I'd finally, like, let it go on the commute home. I walk in the door, and the first thing is, like, my dad walks in the door, like, 10 minutes after me. So what the fuck happened last night? Oh, sorry, I forgot. I forgot it was a family from the <laughs> program, Eric.
2: Dad, that's okay. We had the Wisconsin guy on. He dropped about 20 okay. of on me. So he goes...
4: What happened last night? And it was like, it was like, it just, it, it pulled me right back. Is I don't know. It, it's just, Izzo's going to Izzo. I don't know. It's, it's just, we'll see what happens. Um, You know, beat Duke on Wednesday and see, and see how I feel then. But right now the vibes aren't good. I was looking at flights to Phoenix. have not booked them yet. Glad I didn't. I don't know. You know, everyone says college basketball long season, long season, but I'm a big believer in when someone shows you who you are, believe them. And this is not a team built for. This is not a team that's going to go to Phoenix as they're currently constructed. There needs to be a lot of growth.
1: Hey, I I just had to take the shot because, as an Ohio State fan, this may be the one shot I get to take when it comes to basketball this year. I don't know.
2: Holman's. You guys got a good squad over there in the shot. You know. Shut up, use from the shot. Dude, hey, we might have a good squad, but I don't know that that podcast will have me on because I will literally just –
1: He is the John Cooper of basketball. I've
2: I've lost complete confidence in the Holt man. He does not know how to coach an offense. I don't – he's a great defensive coach, but we run the most stagnant – unimaginable lazy offense I have ever watched in my entire life. It is, and I've, I'm done with it. I'm just so done with it. I don't think he knows how to run a flex offense. He doesn't know how to run a zone offense. It's literally just dribble, 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 hero ball, set a high screen, pick and roll, chuck and, and then throw it up. That's our offense in a nutshell right there. It's what we do. It's terrible. we we've,
1: we it's so bad. We've turned to hockey.
2: <laughs> we have. Chris and I are more Ohio State hockey fans now than we are basketball fans. College
1: hockey's college hockey's a lot of fun.
2: It's a
4: college blast. hockey is a lot of fun. Going to college, I <laughs> I loved going to MSU games. They were kind of down when I was there, so I didn't you know. It it was it was pretty it was pretty bad vibes, but yeah, I mean, Coach. You know, stuff, the most
2: They're getting after. Yeah, they just
4: beat Ohio State. He's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun.
2: It is. Hey, so here's the deal. On our way out, I want you to know, we go to one away game as a podcast every year. This year, we went to Purdue. Next year, we're coming to East Lansing. We're coming to... Uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, and East Lansing. It's gonna. It should be beautiful weather. It's like at the beginning of the year too. Yeah, I think
4: it's. I think it's still in September.
2: So, it's gonna... so you're gonna have R- to come, v. man. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna tailgate. All right. All right. I'll book it. I'll tell. I'll tell the boys. We'll uh. We'll we'll get something together. That sounds awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll make that our fun. Uh, our fun getaway as a podcast next year. Spartan dog, everybody, go check him out. at Bacon wire. You're gonna definitely want to do that. Appreciate you coming on, man.
4: Yeah,
2: no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, everybody, we are back. Thank, thank you to Spartan Dog for coming on and being our special guest this week as we previewed Ohio State and Michigan State. Looking forward to that game this week. And Chris, it's going to be under the lights, the last night game, primetime game for Ohio State at home this season. Uh, we might have a primetime game, obviously, in both season, or if we're blessed enough to go be a part of the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis, Indiana. Got the special jerseys on, the All Grays. Looking forward to yeah. that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll you've touch. sold a lot of them, I, haven't you? Yeah, we have. And, and I love the All Grays. Don't get me wrong. I love the All Grays. Uh, I don't... I don't get as good a feel about it as I do about the blackout jerseys. I love the blackout jerseys. Those are still my favorites. Well,
2: blackout at night makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. um, But I tell you, I love it. But you know what
1: doesn't make sense? A night game at Ohio State in November.
2: (laughs) Yes, it does. Who cares about that crap? Gene Smith can go suck an egg, dude. If a high school, if Ohio high school kids can play night games in November in, in the high school playoffs, I'm pretty sure Ohio State can play one too.
1: Do you know what I want? I want another November uh, uh, night game, and I want it to be USC or UCLA.
2: There you go. What now? What would happen? That's
1: home field advantage,
2: right? Just there. wait until the first round of the playoffs sometime, and Ohio State gets to host one at the Shoe in December. Give us Bama.
1: Give
2: How about us Bama. that? I mean, my gosh,
1: SEC schools up here to play at night.
2: So looking forward to that. Uh, we got that to look forward to. Like I said, um, I I can't wait to see these jerseys. I love it when the uh, the men's basketball team wear their all grays. They look like pretty much the same look. It's more of a silver look. Match the helmets and everything. Not that dark gray they had a couple years ago. So really looking forward to that look. Might be interesting, though, if Michigan State wears all white. What a contrast that would be. You know, gray to white. I don't know how that's going to look on television. But... Uh, we'll That'll see. They'll be
1: stained red by the end of the game. <laughs> there I mean, there yeah, you yeah. go.
2: There you go. Uh, it'll be interesting. It is on NBC, 730. Don't want to miss it. Uh, Spartan Dog had a score of 42-7, to Chris. We're about to give ours, but just a reminder, put your prediction for this score down in the comment section of this video here on YouTube and if you're listening to our odd uh, the audio version of this Please give us a thumbs up and a five-star review first off then head over to YouTube Give us a like thumbs up there and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and put your score prediction in the comment section of This video here on YouTube for your chance to win free merchandise from the OHIO Podcast. Chris, our predictions are Aaron says Michigan State 14, Ohio State 31. You have Michigan State 9, Ohio State 35. And I have a score of Michigan State 6, Ohio State 38. Interestingly enough, the Michigan State guy has the biggest margin in the score of forty two to seven. He obviously hasn't watched our offense as much as you and I have this year. Either
1: that or maybe he's just seen enough of Michigan State to know that they just are not that good. Well we're not, but, we're, not give, we're not giving. we're not giving him a ton of credit with our scores either. Six. Well nine. and I'll tell you what, the nine, that's all on the leg of that big, you know that that kicker. That kicker's got a big leg. So Yes he does.
2: They can kick know, it. They got the advantage in special teams. I'll give them that. So yeah. how'd you come up with your score, Chris?
1: Uh, for me, I just think we're going to see a lot more of what we've seen. I think we're going to see a, lot, a heavy dose of Travion Henderson. Um, I really feel like we're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, you know, Like you said, we're going to control the time of possession, I think, this week. This is not a Michigan State team that's really great at converting and getting off uh, or, or holding the other team from converting on third down and getting off the field. So I could see us really just having our way offensively. Um, I don't see it being a huge game for Kyle McCord. Maybe a lot of what we saw last week with kind of settling into that game manager role a little bit more. Uh, Effective numbers, but uh, nothing super big. Um, But more than anything, I just don't think Michigan State could score on us offensively. I think that they'll get a couple opportunities because of field – the positioning on the field to to use the leg of that kicker. And I think that that's how they get their nine points.
2: For the love of all Scarlet and that is Scarlet and gray. Can we please get a big enough lead in this game to where our starters can sit sometime in the second half, please? That'd be
1: great. And, And if they do for the love of God, Ryan day actually let whoever is going to be the backup quarterback throw a pass. Let them actually get out there and play the quarterback position. You mean so run that, the offense? God forbid. Yes, God forbid something happened to Kyle McCord. We've got a quarterback who's not completely inept stepping onto the field.
2: Will not be Devin Brown. They'll give him another week to heal up.
1: No, um, this is going to be either uh, Tristan Gebbia or or the freshman. And,
2: yeah, and you know, I I, would I like almost to see feel them like both. it's the
1: freshman. I almost feel I, like the freshman's got going to have an opportunity
2: he, they haven't played him yet and he's got four games and they still can't, you know, without blowing his red shirt. So he's, he's got that avail availability. He, he's not
1: going to be there for, for a championship game or bowl season. If we go there, as far as he's not going to see the field outside of an emergency. So,
2: right. So, you know, this is the, this is the game to get him in. I, I would love to see both of them. I, w- I I hope that we get out to a big enough lead to where in the second half, you can say you get this, you get two drives, you get two drives in the, the game. Let's go. Um, let these boys play. You can get. You know, we need to see the. We need to see the second string offensive lineman. Knock on wood. Our offensive line has been really healthy this year. Knock on wood. But what happens if we lose somebody? Yeah. Who's Who's ready to step up and yeah. play? I, I want to you
1: know? see Luke out there. I want to see Tegra out there. See what they've how they've managed to progress over the course of this year that we haven't had a chance to see yet.
2: Right. We they need that because if we have an injury in a big moment. You don't want that kid going in, and he's got
1: no experience. Yeah, could, could you imagine playing that team up north, and all of a sudden, you know, Luke or tegra has got to get out there against that Michigan starting line with no game experience under their belt? Not good.
2: So this is this is a, a what you call a get right game. You know, get out to a lead, make it comfortable, get them off there, get them, you know, get them out of there, get them off, get them off the field. Let the backups play. Have some fun under the lights in the shoe. Um, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that that happens. But I'm not confident in that, Chris. I am not. I think even though Michigan State is three and six, and that last win was a lot of smoke and mirrors, like Spartan, like Spartan dog said, to get to that that game and,
1: and bad officiating.
2: And, and that's the Sully's excuse. <laughs> um, despite all of that. I I'm so not confident in this offense, man. No, it's, it's been, you can't be, I've got to see it with my eyes. We have two weeks to get ready for the biggest game of the year. And for everybody who's concentrating on whether or not Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the sideline or not, that shouldn't matter. matter. It shouldn't matter in your preparation and getting ready for that game. And we need guys healthy focused and playing their best ball. Ryan Day has said it all year, Chris, we've not put it all together yet. Well, you got two weeks to get ready to put it all together and you better start building to that. And it starts right now. You know, we've seen the running game start coming along. Awesome. Can you do the running game with passing game for four quarters? Like, can we start with a good passing game up front? Um, I've seen a lot of people argue, well, it's not all Kyle's fault. There's were drops and things of that nature. I understand that, but is that not a part of the offense catching it the is. football? So Julian Fellamy, you need to do your part, right?
1: You got to catch Scott the Jr. football, Junior. If you're going to be out there,
2: do your part. Yeah, you got to catch the football. You got to make the blocks.
1: Ameka, know where the sticks are at, my man. Know where the sticks are at.
2: So we've got to put it together. This is the game to do that. I think we win comfortably but i do not think we win big i think you know the spreads at 31 and a half and that's ridiculous
1: that's ridiculous in in any game it really is that's
2: bigger spread than what we had against uh western kentucky did you know that yeah we were 28 point spread against western kentucky this one's 31 and a half so obviously michigan state is not a good football team you need to prove that this week if we struggle in the first half against michigan state I don't know what to tell you. A, a, well, we're just not a first-half team. I've heard that excuse, too. You, you Chris, know what? Just not that,
1: a first-half team. You know what's going to happen when you play that team up north? And you're, you're not a first-half team. You're going you're to be by, down 28 to nothing at the half.
2: Bingo. You're going to be in a hole to the point where it's not going to matter back. how good your second-half is going to be. You cannot fall in a hole like that. So – we need to put it together. Those are my, that's my thoughts. That's my. Hopefully, that
1: that team up north did their advanced scouting against us in the first half.
2: <laughs> there, you, there you go. Uh, when we get together Sunday night, Chris, yes or no? Jim Harbaugh will still be the head coach at uh, at uh, Michigan, roaming the sidelines in Ann Arbor, or will he be suspended?
1: The, yes or no? Those are those are two different questions, Eric. Yes, I think he's still the head coach. Will he be roaming the sidelines in Ann Arbor? I don't think so.
2: What? How many games suspension do you think he gets?
1: My, my gut instinct is that the Big Ten presidents are going to really push for a suspension through the end of the regular season. And I don't know if they have the ability to do it, but they may. They may push to have Michigan excluded from the Big Ten championship game.
2: By the time that this video is posted on Friday, we are recording this on. Uh, we should now. have an answer. We will find out if Chris is Nostradamus or Nostrodamus. So we will find out if he is right or wrong. My feeling is he gets two games. He will be back for the Ohio State game. That's my feeling. Um, and it will come down probably tomorrow, which is Wednesday or Thursday. And he will not be available for the Penn State game. And Penn State upsets the team from Ann Arbor.
1: I I will say this. I think Ryan Day wants Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Oh, I I think so, too. I think that Ryan Day needs Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. He needs to prove it to himself, I think, at this point, as well as the fans.
2: Do you think if Ohio State were to beat Michigan, that when they run to the middle – of the uh, field to shake hands, and Jim Harbaugh quickly shakes his hand and walks away, that Ryan Day gives him a DX chop.
1: Dude, I would pay to see that. I would would literally get my car, drive to that stench hole that is Ann Arbor, buy an overpriced ticket, and sit among... 100,000 screaming idiots just to see that.
2: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) please like, share, subscribe. All of those things. Really do appreciate it. If you're listening to the audio version, again, please give us a five-star review. We really do appreciate it. We will be back live Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble. Make sure to check that out. Uh, Be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH. Sing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. Till next time, OH. I owe.